Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for another episode of RDTN, and this episode is hotter than a pat of butter melting on a bowl of grits. The guys share stories from International Tabletop Day and CMON Expo. Also, a review of 13 Days. And PAX Tabletop Manager Matt Morgan gives us the scoop on PAX Unplugged. Shoot, this may be worth two pats of butter. It's another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 119 entitled... My name is Marty. What are you doing? This is Tony. Oh, I'm sorry, man. You caught me. I just had a big old piece of peanut butter pie, and my, my tongue was stuck to the roof of my mouth. And I'm sorry. You ca- I thought I had time. I thought you were going to keep going with the, with, the sh- with the music, but you cut it off on me too quick. They'll probably start charging us money if we start using too much of that song, which is a great song, by the way. But I'm really kind of ticked off that you're sitting there eating that delicious piece of pie in front of me. So ever since my wife um, helped me write up that blog post um, from TR Knight. For those who have no clue what we're talking about, what blog post? All right. So you've already done one and I got to do one. And this is, help me. Oh God, the name just escaped me. Why did you do this to me? It was right there. It was right there. I had it. Oh, it's posted. That's why you take show notes, dude. It was right on. It's on our Facebook page. You know, the Rolling Dice Taking Mm -hmm. Names Facebook. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. That people should like, but go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. And now you're going to force me to have to come up with the name of this. TR Knight has asked you and I, and I went out there and I posted my victory pie from Pandemic. It is an Oreo crushed pie with oh an incredible chocolate filling and it's got whipped cream and oreos on it and then so she took it and she modified that and it became with peanut butter and so she mixed in peanut butter and whipped cream and i was just like oh really that sounds so good i'm not a big I, i enjoy peanut butter but i don't like a lot of peanut butter so when you mix it with butt, but but when you mix it with butt, I don't want my <laughs> peanut butter mixed with butt. Peanut I'm butter, just saying, with whipped cream, it really lightens it up by putting it with light whipped cream. It cuts down all the calories. There are no calories. Okay, so the light whipped cream negates the calories. Yes. of the peanut butter. Right, and for those of you who know that is on the gaming gastronomy. Gastronomy. See, that's why I didn't Gastronomy. want to say it. Oh, I get it. Yeah. And that's on, uh, let's see, it's on FreelanceNight.com, K-N-I-G-H-T, Freelance Night, where he's running this series where he's asking for people to give their recipes for desserts or food that could be made while they're playing games. And I gave my uh, chocolate trifle. Yes. Oh, that is so good. Butterfingers mixed with brownie. uh, uh, brownies. Brownies. Uh, uh, if I pull, put in Cool Whip, the light Cool Whip, it must negate the calories there too. But yeah, and, and, and chocolate pudding. But Tony, here's the thing. Then, Because you brought this up about the, the, the Cool Whip. So Vanessa, my wife, makes a homemade peanut butter ice cream that consists of peanut butter, but she also puts in Cool Whip in it. I bet that is so good. Are you chewing ice too? What is going on over there? No, I'm not chewing ice. I, once again, I had to get the peanut butter out of the mouth, so I had to drink some water. And once again, you stopped short. Would you please stop? Don't do this when we do our interview tonight. <laughs> don't don't oh, look yes, at me so like I'm going to go say something, and then you don't. Don't do this to me. Don't embarrass me in front of our guest tonight. Our guest, who is Matt Morgan, who is the tabletop event coordinator for 
PAX Unplugged and PAX East is going to be coming on the show to tell us about the brand new convention that's coming on uh, this fall at the exact same time as BGG Con, PAX Unplugged, which is like a subset of these other huge PAX Cons. So I can't wait to get him on, Tony, and find out a lot of information about it. The only thing I can say is, I, going for that is Philadelphia cheesesteaks. I mean, I, that's probably about it for the food, you know? Oh, the Philadelphia freedom. I get it because it's in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's it. Now, you're getting ready to go to Origin, so I know you're, you're jonesing for that. Oh, my gosh. North Market. North Market. I've already got it planned out, Tony. As soon as I, I'm just going in, dropping my stuff off the Hampton Inn, which is a hotel I stay at every year, because it's right beside the North Market. And I'm going to go have, I don't know what, it could be a pretzel, it could be a donut, it could be the ice cream, but I'm going to have something. Well, you got, I hope you have something. You got to keep up your strength. Yeah, yeah, I know, because I'm going to be rooming with Rodney and Jamie and Chris from the Secret Cabal, so I won't be getting any sleep. I'm like telling these people, look, I'm an old man. I need to get some sleep. And they go, uh-uh, we're staying up all night. And I'm going to be, uh-uh, I'm sleeping in the lobby. If I remember correctly, they were in the room before we were one night. That's right. Nice. That must have been after a secret cabal meetup where they couldn't make it the next day. No, they were gauging themselves, getting ready, getting ready. Oh, okay. They were preparing for the secret cabal meetup. Yeah, which is going to be Friday night this year. And I will be there hanging out and doing some stuff. So you need to come on down and hang out uh, with the secret cabal cabal guys. I just happen to be there, too. There you go. Now, con season is upon us. Oh, yeah. And you've already been to one. It's not really a con, but I'll call it a con. Simon Expo. I couldn't make it because the reason why I got the peanut butter pie was Mother's Day because Donna made a dessert for Mother's Day. But you were down there. Was it as good as it was last year? It was as good. Asterisk. Uh, ooh, asterisk. Well, that's because I wasn't there. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. It is true. You were not there. You were not there. Uh, uh, Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got like a thousand things going through my head. The asterisk is because it seems this year they catered a lot of it to some distributors that were coming in, which is fine. This is a business, but they had this one cornered off section of the room where they kept taking up the prototypes of like Rising Sun and other games and taking them away to show to media people and to show to the distributors. And I kind of felt, uh, I wish they would have multiple copies of those. It just... I don't know. It was still a fantastic time, but you can tell it was like this, there's a little bit of a and there's a little more business oriented this time. But still, it was still a good show, and there was tons of other stuff uh, that was out on the uh, tables. I got to play, and as usual, everybody's accessible. The Simon people are so friendly, Tony. You know how those people are. They want to make sure that you're having a good time. What do you think of these demos? And I got to play a lot of demos. I got to play World of Smog: Rise of Moloch. Uh, which is going to be a co-op game that's coming out later this uh, later this year. Got I'm going to hey if you go check out the Dice Tower Network, I actually did a playthrough video with them for that one, and also Council of Four, which Tony caught me totally by surprise. Have you ever heard of that game, Council of Council Four. Four that came out two years ago? No, I have not heard it. So that was like Potion Explosion was for me last year. That just like boom. Yes, but this is a Euro, uh, maybe a medium weight style Euro. And it's a kind of an engine building thing where you're trying to take merchants and put them out into the kingdom and trying to deploy merchants in each uh, city of a kingdom. And every time you place a merchant, it triggers a little ability in that city. There's these random abilities that you place at the beginning of the game. 
when you place a merchant, if you have a merchant in an, innate, in an adjacent city, it triggers that ability. And you can create chains by doing that. So it's really cool to get your little guys on a map and drop one. And then it triggers all these other chain reactions to give you resources and victory points and everything like that. But what was really cool is called a council of four. Is because the kingdoms broke it up into three sections, and they have these three council members that are represented by different colored figures, and you kind of want to grease their palms, Tony. And there'll there'll be deeds out on the table that you want to try to acquire, and you have to spend resources to get those deeds. If you have resource cards in your hand that match four the four uh, council members, you turn in those resource cards and you can claim that deed. But if not, one of your actions is you can kick one of the councilmen off the uh, board and replace it with another one. Okay. Uh, and what you do is you like push them from left to right. So uh, it's the first in, first out. So if there was like a red council member on the, the right-hand side, you would say, I need a blue in its place. And you stick in a blue and push it, and the right council member gets voted off the board, and now you have a new combination. So all that's going on with the idea of trying to place these merchants. Oh, I just had such a good time. And for people who have played it, said they really like it. But the art was changed, and they, a lot of people like the original art. This may be uh, a little more whimsical art with, with the minis, but I really think that you'll like that, and that was kind of my hit of the con. Now, is that hours coming out soon? It's coming out. Coming out It's soon. coming out. The, 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 here was what was said, Q3. Q3, okay. Right. Well, that's kind of like what Potion Explosion did the last year. Now, you and I have already raved about one of their games that has come out, and that's Ethnos. Was that a big hit there while you were there? You and I know it was going to be a hit. Jeremy and uh, David from Man vs. Meeple mm-hmm. was there. They never played the game before. What? Yes. They said it's been sitting on our shelf, but they said the art turned us off. And I get that. You know, if you look at the board, it's kind of well, small. Well, aren't they all hotty, totty, mighty people? Then, right? <laughs> High and mighty. So, That's what I was looking for. High and mighty. High and mighty man versus Meeple. So anyway, I sat down with them. I said, I got to teach you this game. Tony, I played with six players, and you thought, oh, ooh, a six-player game? No, no, I know it's no, good. No, no. It works with Ethnos, Tony. Of course it does. You know why? Because it moves so freaking fast. I bet you were down on that third dragon before you knew it. Yes. Holy cow, you got to that dragon fast. But still, the, the turns move really quick. So after they played their first game, David's like, oh, I, I kind of want to play that again. Well, yeah. We played that game like four times. And Tony, uh, on Tuesday after Simon Expo, Man vs. Meeple released a video going, here's our review of Ethnos, and actually gave it a reward. I went, ha! I told you guys! You should have played it earlier! It's one of those games that you, you throw out there, and it's a simple one to teach. You gotta love it. I know. Okay, fine. Enough about Ethnos. It's out. Fun again. Hold if on, you, talk, if you one more thing. Oh, no, no, no. If, if you want it, buy it. Fun again. I got you a promo deck. Sweet! I'm so excited. <laughs> and that, that's thanks to our buddy Pete Shire at Simon, who was the uh, demo or uh, volunteer coordinator, does a fantastic job Amazing with those. Job. And he is Amazing. so nice. And you couldn't make it. And he said, here, why don't you give this to Tony? And so I gave him a hug for you, Tony. All right. Well, tell I'll, I will be more than happy to show up at Pete's house and vacuum the carpet in the game room. I'll, t- I'll take care <laughs> of that for him. So, oh, man. And that was a swag bag. That's a swag bag. Did you bag. see that? That's oh a my gosh! Every okay, so they had a really nice uh, swag bag with uh, typical things uh, like uh, promos for uh, Arcadia Quest and Zombie Side and some other like the the Ethnos back, uh, deck. But then they pull out. Oh, by the way, you get this too, Tony. Everybody got a copy of Zombie Side Black Plague. Mm-hmm. Everybody. 
That's a loss leader there, man. We're going to take a little loss here, but we know what we got sitting. We got an expansion. We got other things. You, you people just look out. Here it comes. Best swag bag ever. I love the fact that it was a Massmora um, bag. I saw that on Facebook. I was like, oh, yes. wow. I hate you couldn't be there because you'd have one of these back. Hey, but here's the thing. Uh, I already backed it and have a copy of the game. So, Tony, my gift to you is a copy of Zombicide Black Play. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I really do mm-hmm. that. I'll let you borrow Ethnos some more. Okay. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I know, Simon, you had a great time down there. I know you. Yeah. And and I, I wasn't there, but I know who you really missed. Jamie probably didn't make it, and Rodney didn't make no, it. So. Chaz was there. That was Chaz's first time. Chaz Marler of Paradise Paradise, oh. who has been a guest on the show. Uh, he was there. That was his first time to get to go, and he really enjoyed it. He's going to be doing some content, too, and I sat down and did a couple videos with him. So, keep an eye out on his channel. Did he, did he enjoy his chicken and waffles? Okay, so this was the first time Chaz has ever really had a chance to get Southern food. He did not try chicken and waffles, but I did get him to try grits. Grits. Yes. Yep. He had no clue. He just, here's the thing. Here's the <laughs> thing. He, he got the grits and just started eating. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, what? I said, Do you, you don't eat grits plain? No. Like, Why not? That's, no. That's like eating I said, paste. You got to put, get some pepper. He said, I don't like pepper. I said, well, give me those things. So I put some salt in it and put one pad, one pad of butter. He takes one bite and goes, oh. You over-buttered these. They're not. You can't over-butter grits. Where were the cheese? You had to put cheese in there. There was no cheese. There wasn't a cheese offer. Um, I should have asked for some grated cheese to get it get it put on there. So he's eating this thing without butter or anything. I put in one pad of butter, one measly pad, and he's whining it's too buttery. Well, he's a healthy boy trying to watch his, his intake of cholesterol. That's it. Well, he must have liked it because the next day at uh, breakfast, he ordered another bowl. <laughs> Again, in the plain, which I, even the waitress was like, son, you, you don't eat grits plain. Put something in there. <laughs> and you go to Pity Pat's, you got to get chicken and waffles. But I guess, hey, you know. Uh, it wasn't chicken and waffles. Uh, f- we got some fried. Some people got some fried chicken. Went oh, to yeah. Gus's fried chicken, which is <laughs> how do we always end up on food? Okay, I'll cut to this last one thing. Uh, he also tried his first ever Chick Fil A sandwich. Wow, really? First time ever. Yep. I think he enjoyed it. He, I, he doesn't give a lot of emotion when it comes to food. I guess in Oregon, they they the food there they kind of deaden your your taste buds or something. I don't know. So they don't like savory, fatty, fried food. I guess they're healthy. Okay. Yeah, they are. Just plain and simple. So anyway, so you're you're at CMON. We'll back up a little bit more. We had International Tabletop Day. <laughs> We're backing up all the way to the beginning. All the way to the beginning. But I'm just going to keep my International Tabletop Day short because yours was a huge. Mine was at our local Queen City Game Club. And we, of course, it was held. Thank you, Todd, for hosting again uh, over at the Waldhorn, it's a German restaurant here. They they did the buffet again, Marty. Oh, German buffet! See, here we go, food again. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Can we, do, mm. do we just need to change this podcast from a board game podcast? To, and it's not even like we're foodies or anything. We're talking about horrible things like fried food, eating butter, and desserts. Oh man, the spackle. It was so good. And then, of course, the beer was The spackle. Yeah, I call it spackle. Uh, The beer was flowing. But anyway, so my wife came with me over there, and then two two friends of ours um, showed up as well. They they had heard me talk about it. 
And they said, well, can we come? I said, well, of course you can come. This is open. You can come as my guest. And it was full. Todd did a great job. It was a full house. We saw Terraforming Mars on the table. Some prizes were given out. Cry Havoc was one of the prizes. Mark Kell, who you hear plays a lot of the games with us, he won Cry Havoc. Lucky dog. Or did he win Adrenaline? Adrenaline was one of the things. I mean, there it was a lot of fun out there, but I taught them, and you're going to laugh at it. But for people, you forget. You always forget that people haven't tried some of the basics. So I made sure, my wife, I said, which one should I take? She said, let's try Catan. Boom. Put that on the table. Wow. Yeah. Please tell me you played with an expansion. These are beginning gamers. You don't do that. Cities and Nights. I know. Cities and Nights, Cities and Nights, Cities and Nights. I'm just going to take it off your shelf so I can have it. Do you not have a copy of that? No, I'll get one. I'll get- you, you really need a copy. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. No, that's you. okay. Ahead. I'm used to that. Anyway. So, but we, hey, hey we, so we had something strange happen. What's that? We ran out of resources on one of the, um, I think we ran out of brick. The sevens weren't showing up. People weren't having to go through it. it was, and there was, oh, yeah, really? Nothing was being stolen. Yeah, nothing was being stolen. There wasn't anything going back in the pile. And of the way the numbers were set up, brick was a, high, a big hot commodity, as you would call it. And so uh-huh. we rolled and we didn't have enough brick to give out. What do you do when that happens? Wait a minute. If it's just you're out of luck, isn't it? Who's out of luck? Whoever wants brick. I think if, isn't it? And it's, I'm sorry, everybody. It's been many, many years since I played. But if you land, if the die comes up brick and there's no brick, then just nobody gets anything, right? And so we went back to the rules. And sure, you're right. If there's not enough resources to go around, nobody gets the resource. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is wild. I've I've never seen it happen. I thought it was something like that. It has to be something like that. Yeah. Um, I taught them the last spike from Columbia Games. You know that one where it's, you know, play the tile to build the railroad and you're speculating on the land and whoever has the most money wins. That was a big hit. That's a that's a fun little game. I enjoyed the last spike. We've talked about that before. We reviewed it. You can go check that out on episode 83 and uh, hear the <laughs> review on it. <laughs> right. And, and it's a fun little game. And then I also, of course, played out Pandemic, the dice game. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, we lost miserably. By the time that was done, they looked at me and go, well, we're sorry we kept you having to play the basic games. I'm like, it's fine. I have no problem. Sometimes you've got to do that. Well, no, and it's okay. If, you ha- if you're sitting down and playing with people you like and you're having a good time, it doesn't matter the game, right? No, it doesn't. Like I said, great food. We had plenty to drink. Great friends were there. So once again, the Faldhorn International Tabletop Day, Felicia and Will showed up, the big cutout cardboards that I'll have every nice. year. They're stored in the yep. attic. You know, they were there. But but I'm going to go have another small bite of pie while you tell me all about Los Angeles. <laughs> so I got to go out to Los Angeles and be a guest for the Geek and Sundry International Tabletop Day live stream. And I'm just going to go s- straight to that, then back up from there. So we, uh, Rodney... Uh, myself, David Waybright from uh, Man vs. Meeple, and uh, Brittany Bebo from GTS were, were all uh, there to go and guest star. It's not the right word. But anyway, sit down and play a, a, a live game. And Rodney and I got to play from Cryptozoic Attack on Titan The Last Stand, which is a co-op game. And we played against uh, Becca Scott. She was She was ruthless, man. She played out just a ruthless titan, but the idea is that the titan is trying to eat the townspeople. And uh, each of you are playing uh, one of the characters from the from the show, which I really should have watched so I could know who some of these characters are. But I I never watched the the anime uh, show before. But the idea is, is is that you're rolling dice and you're trying to get a certain combination of dice to be able to move up on the titan and to attack. But 
There's also a Titan head on some of the dice. And Tony, this is a mechanic you and I like, where if a Titan head is rolled, you have to give it to the Titan. And that's the resources they spend to do stuff against you. So on your turn, you can roll as much as you want. But every time you push your luck and a Titan head comes up, you're giving it to them to use. So it's a really uh, cool little mechanic. It's going to be coming out later this year. Geek and Sundry has, runs an incredible professional facility. Uh, thank you to Ivan for having us out there. That was so much fun. And you can actually go check out our live play on the Geek and Sundry uh, channel. And in fact, uh, we'll put a link in our blog post. I said that slowly so Tony could write that down as I'm saying that. I, I, when I re-listen to the show, I will make sure that I do that. <laughs> you actually re-listen to the show? I'm proud of you. I have to because somebody's got to put the times in and somebody doesn't like them estimated. Somebody likes them exact. Well, somebody rounds them up to like the nearest minute. People are going to be like, I don't know why you missed the first 45 seconds of this conversation. I saved them time and pain. I don't know why I think everybody who listens to this show sounds like a hick. But anyway. anyway, so you were in L.A., you were hanging out, Rich Summer and um, Rodney, and you were on a moped. Yeah, I saw your pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was it was really cool. So uh, Rich Summer and Rodney Smith from Watch It Played and Rich Summers from Cardboard Cast were my Uber drivers. They picked me up at the airport and I'd had my first ever In-N-Out burger and it was very, very good. I don't know that I would put it above a Five, guy, above a five Guys burger, but it was, it was still a treat. And then we went back to Rich's office and Tony, all I played was old games. See, games I'd go. never played. There you go. Yeah, so we, we're just like, we're going to play these new games. And Rich said, no, how about if we play this game from 1964? Have you ever heard of a game called Acquire? Yes, I have. Never played it. I've heard of it. I think you may like this. That was a fun little economic game where you have these these real this really cool board that you can put these plastic tiles on. All the tiles are hidden. And you draw, you have a, a set of tiles and they're, uh, uh, they're numbered and uh, lettered by, based on row and column. And you're, the goal is you're trying to build corporations. Uh, the tiles together form corporations and you can buy stock. And the bigger the corporation gets, as you attach tiles to them, it gets bigger. The, the value of the stock goes up. Well, if it ever touches another set of tiles, whichever corporation is the biggest absorbs the other one. So then the other one sells off their stocks, driving up the price of the new one. It is this really cool little economic game that I really kind of want to get now. It's from Sid Saxon, which Rich said is just one of his favorite designers. So uh, we need to check that one out. Okay, we can do that. What else did you get in? Did you get in? What's his favorite game that takes 20 hours to play? Oh, uh, is it Demarker? Yeah, Dem I think I said that right. I always, I always yeah. say Demarker, but it's like he slapped me once and said it's Demarker. So St. Petersburg. Uh, remember when Rodney went and visited uh, uh, Rich and they were talking about this game, St. Petersburg. I got to play it. It is a basic engine building game. There's there's nothing really unique about it. It's just the idea is you got resources, you buy cards, you put the cards in play, cards give you more resources, you combo them together to give you victory points. I mean, it's one of those things that if you just want a basic engine building game, St. Petersburg is it. It was a cool little game too. See, you, got, you, got to, you had to go all the way across to play these old games. You know, just stay here. I play one more old game. Now, this may be up your alley. You lover of worker placement games, you, yes. Kalis. I've always wanted to play that one. I think you want to own a copy of this. Do I now? Do I? Uh, maybe. 
Yeah. So Kalis is the idea is that you have this kingdom and there's this road coming out of it. And there's places on there. There's uh, fixed buildings on this road that if you have a worker there, uh, you'll resolve. And it's typical hero mechanics, right? You're trying to get resources. You can spend those resources to get this, that, that. You can buy new buildings to put into play. And if you own the buildings, you get a benefit kind of like, you know, Lords of Waterdeep. But what's neat is, is you resolve the the buildings from the from the castle down. So you start at the top of the path and go through each space. Mm-hmm. And as you go to each space, if there's one of the person's workers there, you resolve uh, the action on that slot. So it's not like when you place a worker, you take the action. You don't. You wait till after all workers have been, have been replaced, then go down the trail and resolve. But there's this one cute little thing. There's this thing. This um, one. This one cute little thing. It's a meeple called the provost. Uh-huh. The provost is a uh, a meeple that indicates the last building that is resolved. So if he's not at the very end of the road, you stop right there, even if there have been workers placed after him. One of the things that you can do on your turn is move that provost. Okay. So if you want to screw somebody out of a worker that they placed at the end of the trail, you can back the provost up so it never gets to them. So it has this little bit of a take that mechanic, but it's 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 really kind of cool. And I think that's, uh, I really think you should try it. Okay. Give that. So what I'm hearing is that it's a cute little worker placement game with a semi-screw you attitude that, um, <laughs> okay, that you think I was, so is that, is that what I like to the, the get, get back at people attitude? No. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, I do. But that's all right. I'm liking that. Well, remember, I was playing with Mr. Stab Yourself in the back, Rodney. But actually, he didn't do a lot of stabby, stabby stuff on, on that game. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. But, Tony, you know what the hit of the whole time was? Dutch Blitz. <laughs> and no, and not Strike either. Crap. Oh, gladiators in an arena. Give me a break. Anyway. anyway. But he had a copy of Strike. I'm surprised that Rodney didn't make us play that the entire time. Rich said, hey, I want to play this little social deduction game. Uh. Grown. Even I'm like you, oh, a social deduction game. Come on, really? And it's like, we only got four players, Rich. Oh, this is a good one for four players. There's no such thing as a social deduction game that's good for four players. He said, just trust me. From Indie Card and Boards, IBC, Indie Boards and Cards, uh, he has this game that came out last year called Don't Mess With Cthulhu. Oh, yeah. This is a game. The art's not that great. It's, you know, it's an overused theme. It's a, it's a re-themed of a game called Time Bomb, which I believe was in uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a hidden role mechanic. I'm just going to play it like there's four of us. There's four of us. There are going to be three good guys and two bad guys or two cultists. So you deal out four cards. So there's a chance there could be two cultists, but there will at least be one. There are going to be a deck of 20 cards. Everybody's dealt five cards. Those cards either consist of one of four Elder Signs, just blank cards, or one Cthulhu. You look at those cards, you put them down face down in front of you, and you mix them up. Somebody selected as first player. Uh, Of course, everybody claims to be the good guy. First player will like look at somebody and say, show me that turn down card. If you're the good guy, you're trying to find Elder Signs. The goal is to find all four Elder Signs. If you're the bad guy, you're trying to keep the other team from finding all four or make them make the Cthulhu show up, make them find the Cthulhu. After four cards have been revealed, you take up all the cards, reshuffle them and divvy them out again. And then you do that two more times for a set of four rounds. We played that game, Tony, for probably three hours. Three hours. It, we, it, I mean, it was, it was, we couldn't get enough of this thing because it's one of those things that it's like, okay, um, I'm a good guy. 
I have two elder signs and the Cthulhu. So you put them down and say, look, everybody, do not come to me. I've got the Cthulhu. Do not come to me. Of course, you could be totally lying, right? Now, the bad guys are thinking, ooh, if he has the Cthulhu, I'm going to go see if I can find it. But if he does, then they kind of out themselves as a bad guy. Or it could be like you're the bad guy. And so let's say you have two elder signs. You go, I ain't got garbage. I got, don't come over here. Don't pick any of mine because I don't have anything. So then you keep them from trying to come pick your cards. Tony, I found out something when playing games like this. Do not play with a member of the Screen Actors Guild. He can lie. Oh my gosh, can Rich Summer lie through his teeth? Of course he can. Remember there was this one game where there were like uh, four cards in your hand and there were two Elder Signs that had already been found and they were shown on the table. So there was only two left in the deck, right? So I remember looking at my hand and I was a good guy and I had the two Elder Signs. I went, oh perfect. This is going to be a piece of cake. I said, I got two Elder Signs, two garbage cards, so you can safely pick me. Rich goes, oh, that's interesting. I also have two Elder Signs and two garbage cards. Well, now I know that he's for sure lying because I know exactly what I got, and Mm -hmm. he knows he's lying and that I'm probably telling the truth. So I start going, okay, guys, he's he's full of it. I mean, I've got the two Elder Signs. Rich goes, no, no, that's that's not true. I, I got them. And so I start getting frantic and I start getting crazy. I'm like, this, this is crazy. I've got it. Come to me. Come to me. Pick me. We can win the game. Of course, when I did that, that kind of like threw up red flags and everybody, oh, well, that must not be right because he's getting frantic over there. And the more they started swaying to him, the more calm he just was. Yeah, guys, just come pick me. I mean, we're cool. We can win the game. Come pick me. My arms are flailing all over the place. I'm going crazy. And as they're sitting there and talking amongst themselves about who should they believe, I look over to Rich and he kind of cocks his eye at me and just has a, you know, just a straight look on his face. But I look deep into his eyes, Tony, and I saw the biggest crap eating grin I've ever seen because he knew that he had me he had them eaten out of their palm of their hand sure enough they go with him we lose the game and he's all proud of himself so here's the tip everybody do not play a deduction game with a professional actor (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i actually took this game to Simon expo and we played it one night too and it was it was a big hit so I said, go check that game out. It's like $10 online. Uh, don't mess with Cthulhu. It, it's what is so nice. It does work with only four players. It plays up to six, but uh, it's a deduction game that actually works with four players. So check it out. Are you done regaling us with stories from Los Angeles? Because <laughs> I've got something on my mind, but I need a time. Oh, you do? No, do go. What's on your mind, buddy? What? Let's hear it. I'm here for you. Lay down on the couch. No, there's going to be a timer or we, this show will be longer than the summer movie show, which I want to remind everybody, be sure to enter the contest. Make sure you guess how much Wonder Woman is going to get at the box office on opening weekend and type it out. Millions of dollars. Spell it out. I'll figure it out. Over, under, doesn't matter. Whoever is closest, you're the winner. But no, if, if I go down this, we'll be here all night with me on this. So can, can we set a timer? Can we... Have some flying squirrels. It's time for flying squirrels. Two-minute discussions on topics that have our attention. For now. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. It's been a while since we've done any flying squirrels, so a quick reminder for everyone: these are short topics that Marty and I like to discuss. That we got two minutes. We got to get them done. We got to get them over with. Because if we don't, we either start 
running long, or we lose our train of thought, like I was doing trying to explain the flying squirrels. So here we go. Marty, I just mentioned it. I, I, ooh, I did it. I backed Gloomhaven. And you've known me. Yay! Oh, yeah, what, we can oh, play Gloomhaven oh, now. Oh, and you know me. You've known me for so many years. You know the minute I do any big, major purchase, this incredible wave of buyer's remorse sets in. You are the worst at buyer's remorse. By far. I swear, you will tear yourself up for days. Days. Hit the buy button and maybe go, I shouldn't have bought that. I know. And, but here's the thing. That's why I wait till the very last second to hit the stupid buy button so that I can't take it back. And what's so funny is I almost completely, totally forgot all about it. So we almost <laughs> didn't have Gloomhaven. But, and I was sitting there, do I really want this? Why would I do this? I can buy it in the stores. And then you chime in, oh, but you can get your free Kickstarter stuff, the really nice stuff. But will we play this? It's got so many hours of campaign. And you're like, yeah, of course we'll play. And I'm like, no, we won't. You're saying, yes, you will. It's got single player. <laughs> and all these voices are in my head as I'm sitting there hovering over the Kickstarter. Meanwhile, my stomach is churning. And I'm like, do I have any reason to buy this game and then you chime in oh but i just bought rising sun so you owe us and i'm like yeah i fine i'll do that but what about this when you said so what you were gonna love this game we need to talk about but everybody's talking about it and i'm just like oh i cannot believe this why did i press this button <laughs> why am i even here <laughs> it's like you're having a whole conversation between you and i and that's exactly what was going on in my head it's my it was over now we had this of course typing back and forth sending emails and you're like and trying to convince me. No, you don't have to back this. You, you. I think you went reverse psychology on me too. No, don't back it, man. We won't enjoy this. It's not one of those games that we need to have. Oh, everybody's already covered it. No one will care. But if you get it, you know we'll enjoy it. You, you were, you were like you. It's like Star Wars Destiny packs. You were putting this in my face, and I was like, ah, why am I doing this? Ninety nine dollars. Oh, unreal. Unreal. So anyway, that's my Gloomhaven remark. <laughs> oh, God. I don't even know what that was. Ooh, wow. I'm glad these things are only two minutes long because I don't think I could have taken much more of that. Told you. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did save this. Ooh. We are excited to announce, and you've probably been seeing this uh, on the interwebs around, that Tony and I are part of an exciting new project with some of our other friends called Tabletop Showcase. This is a conglomeration of some of our best friends who just decided, guys, we all enjoy hanging out with, with each other and we have fun talking to each other and playing games and why don't we just do something together? And from that, Rodney Smith of Watch It Play had this idea. Hey, I got an idea. What about if like a couple times a year, we just kind of uh, pick a game that's coming out that we're all interested in and talk about it in a, like in a one week's time and everybody kind of gives their twist. And, and Tony, we've done that. We have now launched Tabletop Showcase with the first game announced being The Godfather from Eric Lang. A, a, a hit that's obviously going to be coming out uh, later on this summer from CMON. And the people that are also going to be doing this sort of thing. I mean, if you go out to tabletopshowcase.com, you can see everything that's going to be going on. First day, Jamie's going to do like a theme overview. Tony, now you watch the movie, right? Mm -hmm. But you, 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 he's going to kind of delve into the theme of the game and how it works with the movie. Then Rodney's going to follow up with the next day with, well, how do you play this game? 
And I think we need to know how to, to play the game in order to be able to talk about it because the next day, Joel is going to kind of do a quick game overview, gameplay type preview. And then you and I are going to have Eric Lang on the show to interview him about all the cool stuff that, that went on in the designing of The Godfather. Then Chaz is going to come on and do a special bit of bit. You know, Chaz does bits uh, with The Godfather and then followed up by board game replay with a full play of the game. Tony, it's a packed week and it's going to be so much fun. Yes, it is. And I can't believe the designers were assigned to us. What have they fallen into? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, well, oh gosh, so we got to make Eric talk to these guys. Well, they can't do videos, so I guess we'll relegate them to having to talk to the designers. So guys, don't screw this up. But anyway, we're very excited part of this. And again, the whole thing just came about as all of us were talking one day and it's like, man, I wish we could work together somehow. And it's like, why don't we just kind of do this one thing together? And, and that's how it came to be. And Tony's going to be fun. And Rodney, tuck in your shirt when you wear a jacket. All right, so we were contacted last year by Rule and Make Games. Now, our good buddy Scott Morris, Passport Games, has gone in with these guys to hit their games over. Because, Marty, when they contacted us, they said, you know, we've got this game we want you to try out. It's called Burger Up. And we're down in Australia. And I, I am very, as, as you obviously recently heard just under two minutes ago, money is an issue for me, making people spend money. I didn't want these guys sending me a review copy of Australia. That's a lot of shipping. I would rather that they flew me to Australia to try to play the game. But anyway, that's beside the point. Passport Games is going to start bringing rule and make games to the United States. Now, these are some very popular games down in Australia. And Scott, thank you for doing that. Now I won't feel so bad. I'll be able to go to our good buddy Scott and say, Scott, you know, they came to me and they said, would you like to try Burger Up? And this was a fun little game. They sent me the print plays. I enjoyed playing it. So I am so excited that they are going to be bringing some of their games from down under over to the United States. This will be an exciting opportunity and another way that Passport is showing, hey, here's our next step. We've partnered with someone else. Now, and, and now there's another game, Skyboard, the Airborne City. That's another one that they're going to be bringing over. I cannot wait to get a hold of because, well, as I said, shipping is one of those things. So I'm very excited about this. Passport is bringing the Rule and Make games over to the United States. Why am I wasting a squirrel on this? Because it is so neat. Finally get to try out these games that seem to have been out of reach from us. So um, this is kind of neat. I like this, Marty. You didn't say Roll and Write, did you? I said Rule and Make. Did I say Roll and Write? Because <laughs> You didn't. But it sounds like Roll and Write or Write and Roll. Write and, write and Roll. Write and Roll, baby. Write and Roll. Write and Roll, baby. <laughs> Our last episode was the big summer movie episode, and since then, Guardians of the Galaxy has come out, and Tony, you and I have been to the theater to see it, and we're going to give a quick overview in a non-spoilery way. Tony, did you like the movie? Yes, I, I like the movie. I'm not going to disappoint and say, oh, no, I hate it. No, I enjoy the movie, but if you were to weigh Oh, there's a but. There's always a but with me. Um, if you weigh them, one versus two. Which one's on top? Which one Which one weighs the scale? I will slightly give the nod to one mm -hmm. because I love seeing those characters for the first time. I think some of the humor was a tad forced in the second one, mm -hmm. but still, it's, it's, it's way up there. I mean, it's way up there. Still a movie I'm going to go see a second time in the theater for sure. Really? Yes. See, I, I will admit, I had no idea. I've, I had read on the lines about some of the storyline. But one of the things that got to me about the whole Guardians for number two, non-spoiler, is just I felt like the story was better in one. 
I enjoyed the story more. Okay. That's funny because a lot of people say they like the villain and the second better. All right. But for me, it was just how I like how, how they had to come into their own, you know? Mm-hmm. But once again, oh, uh, Brandon Cooper, Rocket, right? Bradley. Bradley, Brandon. Bradley, he did a great job. Really enjoyed that. But you know who stole the show for me? Drax. Oh my gosh, Drax was so good do in that me, movie. Do me. Oh my gosh, I laughed every time he opened his mouth and said something. I was dying laughing. It was it was really good to to see him shine this. Look, I love all those characters. Uh, even though you say, "Hey, I might like this one a little bit more than the other," I think everybody walked out of the going, "That was still a very good movie." Oh yeah, it's a it's a great movie, and I highly highly say you definitely need to screen this one. Don't stream it. It's not steaming. But you need to go out there and screen it because you got to enjoy the visual effect. Oh, you're just trying to help Chris uh, get his uh, number one movie status. But st- I know, stay home. Don't go see this. All right. So, Marty, the mail has been coming to the house. And after a brief hiatus, I've been getting a few games show up that people have been saying, hey, are you interested in this? So I have got us more games to review. Are you excited about that? Uh, 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 sure. Sure. Of course you are. I like, I like games. I know you like games. I like games. Well, All right. The first one we've got from Osprey Games. Osprey Games. I'm really liking that company. Yeah. Go ahead. And I am not going to get anywhere close to this name. Shah Razad. Is that it? I think. If you were to listen to The Secret Cabal that came out recently, Chris said it very nicely on the show. Did, did I get close? Uh, we'll say yes. Shah Razad. And, and it, it is a game that you are trying to build the best story yeah, 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 whatever. You're putting tiles out, trying to get- Oh my gosh. It's like you just gloss right over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's what it is. You're trying to score the most points. Amazing. And you're trying to link the tiles together. And there's some really neat concepts to it. All in all, I've played the solo version. I can't wait to bring it to you. Is the fact that it's got this kind of like, um, we must hold hands type of feel to it, where you're not supposed to really know what people have in their hands, but you can work together as a co-op. It's a really neat game, very pretty game. So, And I think for younger gamers, this is a great game for them to get to the table. So definitely give that one out. But this one I'm really, really excited about. And that, Which one? And that is Element. Now, Ooh, I know. I've heard of this one. From Rather Dashing Games. There's not a lot out about it, but it's getting a lot of buzz over at the BGG. So, you and I love the Rose King. Yes, love it. This is on steroids. Oh, I can't wait. When can we play? Um, By all means, Thursday night when we go to a gaming night. We are right there. We are going to have a blast with that. It's one. It's, it's, it's got the elements. It's blocking people. It's Oh, I don't want to get into it right now. We will save it for five minutes. Got a slight rant, Tony. What is the deal with people complaining about player counts in games? I'm seeing this more and more. A, a game will be announced, and it'll be like three to five players. People come out, I wish it had been for two players. I wish it would be for six players. I, I, I just don't get that. If it would have meant to have worked for more or less than the player count they would have shown, they would have done it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes that, especially on Kickstarters, they get the pressure of like, I really like your game, but it doesn't support the game count of my typical game group. And they get all upset. And I feel like the pressure goes on the designers to try to force something in there that's not going to work. And I think the worst is when it's like, I only play two player games and they say it only supports three and they go try to cram a two player game in there. Hey, I mean, you've played games, right? This like, there's an optimum number, mm-hmm. and sometimes too low stinks, and sometimes too high stinks. Oh, yeah. I agree with you. Now, I'll admit, I'm not one of those people that I wish it. I wish there were more of a certain player count number. 
But if they were to pay attention to our BGG poll, what's going on, they would know that everybody loves four-player games. And, and that's, that's the most common. And it's not like, I wish there were more two-player games. I just see a lot of people that are vocal. It's like, I would back this game if it supported this particular player count. I'm like, okay, then don't back exactly, the game. don't back it. They didn't design the game to support that player count because I guarantee if it could, they would because they want your money. Yeah, I mean, they've thought about balance. They've thought about all of this. So, yeah, I'm with you there. I understand where you're coming from on this player count thing. Hey, you don't have to press the buy button. Don't do it. I, I don't know why. It just seems like recently I've just been seeing more and more of that complaints, especially, especially on the Kickstarter. I'm just like, I don't know. People just want to complain about stuff all the time, don't they? I mean, it's not we never complain about anything. We're very content. Yes, we never rant on this show. It's all over, Boomwinkle. The Broken Token is excited to show off two brand new inserts. The first is the Longer Harder Wood Card Case, which is a Cards Against Humanity inspired product. And if you look at it, that's actually emblazoned on the front. It has kind of the same font as Card Against Cards Against Humanity. So the idea is that this is a great place to hold all your Cards Against Humanity cards. Well, if you're not a big fan of that game or you just want to have a really nice a card holder you can just get the top without the name on it get it plain and you have this nice solid hardwood case for hardy for holding uh your it could be your ccgs or lcgs or any type of card just just a really nice insert in addition they've also got a new standard size card case that people have been um, asking for they've had one for like mini cards like the x-wings uh players have loved but now they have a standard size card case and you can check out both of these cases out at their website at www.thebrokentoken.com. We are excited to have on the show the tabletop manager for PAX Unplugged and PAX East, and he's an avid board gamer who has his own YouTube channel and is very active on social media. Welcome to the show, Matt Morgan. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much for coming on, Matt. Now, one of the main things we want to talk to you about is the fact that you dropped a bombshell on us earlier this year when you said there is going to be a PAX Unplugged, a board game version of the Penny Arcade Expo. Now, Matt, Penny Arcade is a pretty huge site that's been around for quite a while. But for those who may not know what or who Penny Arcade is, could you give us a little background on those guys? Tell us about PAX and, and how did you get involved with them? Yeah, certainly I can do that. Uh, I mean, Penny Arcade goes way back. Uh, I can't remember how many years, 20 years probably at this point. But it started as a video game webcomic and sort of grew into a fan group out in Seattle that started a LAN party that then started a video game convention that also had a tabletop department within it. And eventually that grew out in size and went up going to other parts of the country. So you have PAX East in Boston, PAX South in San Antonio, and that tabletop, you know, kernel of board gamers within PAX grew so large that it outgrew that size and kind of needed its own convention. Uh, real quick, Matt, I got a question for you. You said PAX South. You do realize you're talking to a bunch of guys from the South here. And Texas is not the South, brother. I'm just telling you. <laughs> this is, oh, I don't know how many more packs we can add, but we'll work on it. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you know, you come on down to the, you know, South Carolina, North Carolina line where you can get some good Southern fried chicken, some tea. Then we'll talk packs South. Sold. Okay. There we go. What's your involvement with? How'd you get involved with packs and, and what exactly are you doing for them now? 
Oh yeah, certainly. That that's kind of an odd story. It probably started around 2009 when I started, you know, participating in board game media. Uh, I was a paid board game reviewer. I used to write for like MTV and Wired. I had uh, contributor slots with both of their websites, and I wrote reviews for a good four plus years there. But eventually, it got to be, you know, overwhelming as a side job. You know, no, no one likes staying up till 2.30 a.m. just to bang out a board game review they get paid peanuts for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I eventually felt like I had to to punch out of that side of the industry. And uh, I really liked going to conventions. I mean, who doesn't? Right. And PAX had been the convention that was best to me during my days as a member of the media. And so I wound up, you know, deciding I would start volunteering for the convention. I was sort of my retirement plan out of board game media was, <laughs> you know, I could do in one or two weekends a year. I can see all my friends and my buddies and the people in the industry I, I've grown to know and, and have fun with. I could just go to the conventions and work the convention and then not have to stay up late at night. I can go back and have a normal normal daily life. Uh, so I made that decision back around 2013. And I've just been working with the convention ever since. Uh, it wasn't until this past year that they actually brought me on and, and hired me to help work with the convention and, and run the tabletop area for East and now Unplugged. And uh, I, I don't want to make any misrepresentation here. Like, I'm not an employee of Penny Arcade and I don't represent, you know, the views or the thoughts of Penny Arcade. I'm sort of a, a subcontractor or a consultant that they've brought on just to work this, you know, tabletop aspect of their conventions. So I can definitely speak to some of that. But I'm not going to drop any major bombshells about Unplugged, but I do feel like there's a lot of info that's already out there uh, that people don't realize is already out there, uh, especially the people who hear PAX and say, hey, isn't that a video game convention? We can probably start there. What made them, you said, break apart was a lot of just, you ran out of space, right? Yeah, so one of the things I, I do want to make clear is th- there's the whole break apart thing, but we've gotten a lot of questions to say, is there still going to be tabletop at the other PAXs? And I mean, that's a resounding yes. I mean, that will get no smaller than it is now. It's just going to keep growing as the conventions grow. Uh, but the demand was just really big for tabletop within PAX, uh, especially at PAX East. It's probably the biggest there. And it also happens to be, you know, such a jam-packed region full of people that kind of seems underserved. So the, uh, this, the secret formula seemed ripe for a new convention in the Northeast based on what we saw at PAX East. Yeah, I remember when uh, you sent out a uh, survey or, or they sent out a survey, gosh, sometimes last year, like, Asking if there's like going to be another convention or something like that, you know, and you could vote on a city. Yeah, that was I think it was after PAX South 2015. That was, that was before I was even really like working, working with the convention. Uh, and there was all sorts of cities. P- Philadelphia was right at the top of that survey. I remember it because I, I was a fan. I was excited. I said, oh, my God, we're getting a new PAX. Yeah, well, I must admit I did vote for Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta, Denver, Pittsburgh, I think was on there. But hey, you know, I'm in New Jersey. I'm only an hour from Philadelphia. So uh, maybe that's a factor in why I'm helping you know, work and plan the convention here is that I can actually be, you know, close by. We're talking about, but have we said when this is? I know you said it's in the fall winter time frame. This is in November, right? Yeah, we're looking at November 17th to 19th of this year, 2017. Now that happens to be all just about the exact same time as BGGCon. Now, uh, we had posted a a questionnaire on our guild or a post a thread on our guild asking for some potential questions that people might want to know about PAX Unplugged. And I think this was on a lot of people's minds is 
Why did you schedule against BGGCon? You promised me softballs, Marty. What are you doing? <laughs> Well, this is kind of the softball. I mean, you can easily nah, I know. you can bail out of this and say, "Hey, it was it was the only time we could get the hotels in Philadelphia." The Eagles. Hey, I'd rather playing. hear from him, Tony. No, Would you no, I'm trying to I, save I, him. I'm trying to no, save him. No, I, I can answer this question for real. This is one of those things, honestly, broke my heart because I've been going to BGG Con for several years. You know where I want to be. I want to go to BGG Con again, but you know. I'm not going to turn down a new PAX for, for BGGCon as much as I do love it. Uh, at some point, it just becomes a, a reality of the business, especially the convention planning business, that you really don't get to pick and choose your dates when you go for these really big convention centers. I mean, even as the new guy, you'll get PAX East and PAX West. Those are, those are Gen Con-sized conventions, but they've only been running 10 years or less, and they still get tossed around on the calendar because they don't have the kind of seniority that other conventions that have been run in 30 years in a big city convention center do. So Philadelphia seemed like it was a place it had to be. You look at what's available, that what weekends in 2017, this was really the only thing that was possible. Uh, and, and there was some pain. Yeah, there was some pain on our end too. I mean, we have PAX Australia, which I mentioned before. Uh, as my understanding, they had even had to move the timing of the Australia convention just so that that core staff, you know, the people who actually work for Penny Arcade and everything, I mean, they go to all the conventions and help, you know, run the logistics behind them and do the appearances and all, you know, the entertainment. Uh, they have to be there too. So it's a matter of getting them across the world, rested back up for another convention. There's so many, you know, moving targets here. But the one thing I can happily say is it's not going to be the same weekend as BGG next year. Oh, you've already got it scheduled? The dates haven't been officially announced, but we we had one of our, our higher-ups at, at PA had done an interview at some point where he, he did clear up. He said, no, it's not, because BGG never moves. Right. right. Is it going to be in the same time frame in the fallish type? Yeah. I- if you look at you know PAX East as an example, when they, they try to hit the same season within a couple weeks, but you kind of bounce around within the calendar, like I said before, because you're kind of the new guy convention on the block. So it wouldn't surprise me. This is pure speculation on my part that it bounces around a couple weeks, you know, backwards or forwards as the year you go by until it really settles in with a, a solid date. Right. And I can understand where you had to pick that time frame because there's not a lot going around the Thanksgiving time frame. You know, you can probably easily secure a location like you did for this starting out yeah it's hard to get time year one but on on this kind of notice it was great to have a an amazing convention center that they have there in philly to come in it's going to be a really good host for a new convention people will be very happy with it okay and how close are you on selling this thing out i mean i know you said you know it's not a gen con yet but i'm i'm hearing some pretty large numbers here typically we don't give out any sort of uh, attendance or, or ticket sale numbers i guess the most i can sell it, say is that uh things are going well pretty happy with what we're seeing so far is it uh, origins well uh, bgg well gen con well uh, as far as the the size of the convention i i guess if i had to ballpark it i'd say it's gonna be like an origins you know the the look and feel mm-hmm. as far as the size and the people there You'll probably feel like you're going on Origins if you show up at PAX Unplugged. Uh, you know, give it a few years, though. I, I would not be surprised if you're looking at a Gen Con type feel as this convention grows. Wow. 
And so what do you think the emphasis for PAX Unplugged is? Is it just open gaming, uh, panels, vendor hall, tournaments? I mean, is there one that's more focused on the other? You're trying to make it all kind of a one balanced event. Well, there's going to be a big focus on board gaming because that's been the, the bread and butter of PAX. But that goes back to another one of the big reasons Unplugged had to happen was that RPGs and miniatures, those types of gaming, don't get enough love at the traditional PAXs simply because there's just not enough room for them. So you can be sure that there will be very much attention paid to those corners of the industry, especially because, you know, you don't have a BGGCon overlap for all these other corners of tabletop gaming that, you know, really don't get served as well as they could at a typical PAX. So we're going to do them right here. You're going to have very good RPG and miniature scene. Uh, But don't worry, the board game scene will be uh, off the charts as well. I wouldn't have anything less. As far as the other content areas of PAX, I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons I really fell in love with PAX going back, you know, like I said, 2012, 2013 timeframe when I really joined up with them. Uh, It's more than just going and playing the games. The the culture is really strong. There's a big focus on panels. I mean, they bring out professional audio, video. I've been to panels at other conventions. I won't cast any stones, but, you know, it's not always the most professional setup. But, you know, no expenses spared at at a PAX-type panel. And all the little intangibles, like proper line management, uh, line status updates to people. You know, you want to know if something's going to fill up. You see it on your phone. You see it on TVs around the hall. You know, if you get if you get stuck in a long line, they've got a line entertainment crew that comes by and, you know, plays <laughs> games with you and throws swag to you, things of that nature. So th- they really go the extra mile just to create this amazing little culture within the PAX conventions. So kind of like being at Disney, stuck in a long ride for um, It's a Small World. Except, you know, instead of hearing that song over and over, you got people coming to entertain you. That's pretty darn cool, man. Yeah, you know, if we could turn a board gamer convention into a theme park and just plant it somewhere, sign me up. Uh, I'm down with that. That would be cool. That would be good. Could you imagine that ticket to ride train going around the uh, thing where people are actually putting down tracks and. And okay, we're we're going off to the tangent here. Library, uh, yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you ask a question, Tom? Okay, I'm. Hey, Matt and I are trying to connect here. We're trying to figure things out. <laughs> we got a business proposition to work on here. We're thinking about this now. We're we're thinking outside the box. But speaking of in the box here at the convention, library, you got you you got your library figured out. Oh yeah. You know what? It's it's on BGG. You can go look at it right now. I believe the username is PaxTT. P A X T T. Uh, we're running about you know, 1,250 games. Uh, That's our library that travels from packs to packs, but we are looking at a a nice size expansion plan uh, coming in to serve the larger unplugged audience. So you'll see that grow over the summer. And uh, what about all those Essen releases that, you know, are going to come out right before packs? Any any work to get those into the library? Well, I, I will certainly work my hardest. I, you know, I said I go to BGG every year, starting a couple of years ago. The biggest thing I love about that is going and being able to sit down and play the Essen games. So, I mean, this is totally my personal initiative. Uh, selfishly, I want to play those games. So I will make sure that they're there. You know, we, one of the things that uh, one of our vendors already went and announced was uh, Game Surplus, uh, one of the online retailers who stocks a lot of the harder to find import titles. Uh, they will be at Unplugged, and they're going to help us out with that operation a bit. So from the standpoint of people being able to go and borrow games, things like that, I mean, that, that's one of the nice things about BGGCon is it, it's free. I'm sure it's, is there going to be like a game room charge, or is it all free, and people can just 
enjoy the good paying yeah paying for an event at a pax is extremely rare there are try to create a, a welcoming fan environment where people can just come in you know pick one or two things they want to do in a day and just enjoy the show otherwise uh and i know there was some worry you know are we going to adopt a different kind of model where you you know pay per event or pay for a game room uh you're really not going to see much of that certainly not for a game library if you look at a typical pack so i can describe the things we do charge for is really limited to say uh, like a Magic the Gathering or Pokemon trading card game, like sealed deck type event where you're actually going to get handed product. That's the type of event that you would expect to pay for moving forward out of packs. You know that uh, I'm not, don't quote me here. I'm just throwing out example types of events, but like say uh, a major organized play, like, a, like an Asmo day came in and ran a regional tournament for one of their, their competitive games, that kind of thing. Yeah. May, they might charge a couple bucks for it. If that thing kind of thing were to happen. Uh, but the vanilla run-of-the-mill PAX events, 99% of the convention, you're not going to see any money changing hands. Oh, that's cool. And for the panels that are going to be going on, will you need event tickets for those or just uh, stand in line and first come, first serve? Those are always just stand in line, first come, first serve. And, that, and that's where all the uh, the line information comes into play is that you can get you know your notifications and your your Twitter alerts when certain lines are reaching certain percentage capacity and such. So if, if you want to make sure you get your butt out of the chair and go get in line when it's, you know, 75% full, you can do that at, at a PAX. You don't have to sit there and wait in the, in the long line. And do you know what kind of panels we might be waiting on? Have, have any big ones been set up yet? Yeah, we haven't announced any actual panel content. The best thing I could say is you can go onto the uh, Penny Arcade forums and there's usually a, a tabletop thread for each of the PAXs that kind of is a nice condensed look at what types of panels we have, say, at a PAX East or PAX South. It's it's reasonable to assume we get the, the similar types of submissions and only more and bigger and better things than that. So that would set a good baseline for you if you're just curious to see what we have at PAX. And now uh, we had a question asked to us about role-playing games. I mean, are you going to have a dedicated area for that, kind of like they do at Origins? Do you see a mix of uh, 50-50 here? I know you said miniatures along those lines, but RPGs, going to have that opportunity? Absolutely. Yeah, all corners of the gaming industry, you got board games, miniatures, RPGs, and we also will permit, you know, digital gaming. I know it's unplugged, but if you've got, you know, a, a strictly tabletop port of a digital game, that's kind of within scope for PAX Unplugged as well. So back to the core of the question, RPGs, yeah, I touched on a little bit before, but we'll make sure that those are fully, you know, a full RPG experience for the attendee, just like you'd expect for the kind of love that board games would get at a regular PAX. Well, again, uh, typically those types of events like a Gen Con, uh, Origins, you do sign up for those in advance so you'll know that you'll have a, a space at the table. So will there be event tickets for like an RPG session? The actual internals of how the RPG area work, none of that's actually been announced yet. So I can't go into too much detail, but I, I can say rest assured everyone's going to be able to get in on a game if they really want to we like swag bags man and not a lot of the conventions are doing swags anymore or gen con used to have a really sweet swag bag and now it's down to maybe a nice bag with a coupon book inside you know i gotta say that is all really up to the vendors who come to the show i mean all that stuff is paid for and has sponsorships to get put into those bags so i honestly have have no insight into that whether they'll have them this year or not or what would be in them okay 
you know, hound your favorite publisher if you want to see them giving out swag at a convention. What kind of publishers are you going to have there? Is it going to be, you know, a decent number? I know with the overlap of BGG Con, is there any worry there won't be any publishers there at all? Well, you know, I, I wish I could run through our publisher list right now and tell you everyone who's coming to this show because it is looking like a stellar lineup. Uh, but one of the things you can do is there are people who have announced individually that they'll be there. I could talk about those. Uh, some of the companies that have, uh, you know, publicly announced outside of PAX that, you know, we're going to Unplugged. Uh, you got Stronghold Games, Portal Games, Renegade Games, Passport, AEG, uh, even some of the new people like Restoration Games are going to be there. And the list goes down. If, if you hop on Twitter and search for PAX Unplugged, you'll see a lot of people asking companies, hey, you're going to be at PAX Unplugged? And a lot of times they reply, yes. So, you know, if you are curious whether your favorite company is going to be there, you can go ahead and ask them, and, and maybe that might tip their hand. I can assure you that's but a drip in the bucket compared to the full list, but I'm really not at liberty to announce any companies who haven't announced it themselves already. Sure. At some point in time, will you have a vendor list later on in the year? Yeah, I'm not sure at what date that would come out, but certainly, you know, at least a few weeks before the convention, you'll see a full schedule vendor list, all the details of the convention. Uh, will be fully outlined. All right, two more very important things that I know our listeners are curious as they think about coming to this event as they weigh the options, especially those of us on the um, East Coast here. How are the hotels looking in the area? Have you gotten any numbers about that? Are we going to be competing with the Flyers or any of the sporting events? Any idea? Well, this year is a particularly sticky situation because the Philadelphia Marathon is in town. So hotels are selling out really, really fast. There's not a lot of room left. One of the things that you'll see in future years is not a very competitive hotel situation. That's one of the reasons they picked Philadelphia is that when there's not a crazy overlap like a Philly marathon, even if the convention got to Gen Con size, you're not going to have that kind of hotel scramble. There is more than enough to go around. And the only other piece of advice I would give to people, if you look at, say, that the 10 or 12 hotels that are right in that quarter mile or quarter mile or less circle, uh, you can look further out because the convention sits right on top of the subway station. You can hop a train 24 hours a day and get further out into the city. You could even pop over the river into New Jersey and get a much cheaper hotel if you are brave. <laughs> are, wait a minute. Are you brave to get a hotel in New Jersey, or are you brave to get on the train? Well, to quantify <laughs> yeah, this brave thing. What do you mean thing. by that? Oh, the New Jersey part. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Isn't that where that one name that you listed, the Stronghold Bonacore connection is? Uh, no, oh, no. yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, I know, Stephen. Yeah, well, we're both New Jersey guys. I've been over his house to to game a lot, and you know, if you mention my name to Stephen Bonacore, he will cringe and say, "Yeah, he's been trying to get me to go to PAX. I've been on his case to be an exhibitor at a PAX for uh, since the first year of Stronghold Games. So I finally twisted his arm. We had to create a whole convention for Stephen Bonacore to fit in, but we have got Stronghold Games on board now." Well, look at look at Mr. Special Treatment over there. <laughs> now, what, one of the things that I find interesting is as he decides to retire down to Florida, you know, he's mentioned that on his little podcast. I'm just curious. That may you just said you had to create a special one. Sounds like you won't have to create another special one for him. Uh, I don't know. My one man can only do so much. <laughs> oh, come on, Matt. You, uh, I he's got dice. Ta- he's got dice tower con. He'll be happy down there. Uh, will he be happy down there? Oh man. Okay. And here is the next. And this is almost more important because people can sleep pretty much standing in corners. Food. Oh, you know what? I, I'm going to throw down the gauntlet here. I'm going to say. 
Pax Unplugged versus Origins. And I'm going to say, say Pax Unplugged is going to have better food. Because, you know, Origins, you got, you got your North Market over there. Look up the Reading Terminal Market, which this convention center sits on top of adjacent to that subway station. It is the best food market you will ever set foot in. Oh, man. Wall to wall vendors. Order right oh, there, it, buddy. We are going to go toe to toe on food quality. I I will say that right now. Well, I know you already got the Philly cheese. I know you. You got come the in with day. an empty belly. You do the taste test, and you know what? When your listeners come back to rolling dice and taking names this episode in early December, I want to hear what kind of meal you had. Okay. Hey, Tony, I'm in for that. I'm all about food, buddy. Oh man, that sounds so good. Now, Marty, I'm going to have to count on you. You're going to be representing us up there. You got to go. I can't. You got to go. Tony, we got to test out this theory on the food market. I understand that. But unless Matt can hook me up with some more vacation at the old office, it ain't going to happen. Though I will say one, what's interesting, you said it was the 17th, 18th, and 19th, right? That's correct. That's only three days. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Come in Friday night, Tony. Yeah, I hear you. Now, let me ask you this. As as this thing grows, you think it could expand out to the origins length, to the Gen Con length, or what are you thinking? I have no idea. I, I don't have any insight into that aspect of the planning. I, you know what? All I can say is that if it did, I would be there making sure the internal <laughs> tabletop operations were going smooth as butter. My last big question, and this was specifically asked in our forums, and this, this will be a big one because... I, I don't know we know why I'm setting this up because you're going to be able to say I can't say, but here we go. Will Acquisitions Incorporated be at PAX Unplugged? I can't say. <laughs> oh, I knew it. Ah, uh, yeah. I setting that's, up everybody for a failure. That's above my pay grade there, buddy. But, you know, one thing I can say is that Chris Perkins was on Twitter two days ago telling all his fans that, yeah, I'll be at PAX Unplugged. So oh, the, stars, the stars are aligning. I don't know what that might mean, but. You know, I I personally have no knowledge of whether there would be an an Ack Inc. at Unplugged or not. For those who don't know, Acquisitions Incorporated is this big RPG session they have with the guys from um, Penny Arcade and some other guests uh, to, and basically they sit there and play D and D and in front of a big hall, and it's always a big to do at at their conventions. And obviously, this seems like a perfect place for those guys to come and play. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed they're going to be there. But I'll tell you, everybody, if they're coming, that's one of those lines you're going to want to get in early. I will chime in and agree that knowing how the Ack Inc. lines go out of PAX East, I would agree that, yeah, you do want to show up early and camp your spot in line for that show if it were to happen at Unplugged. If, if, Tony, hear that? If, yeah. I mean, it's understandable, man. Can't I mean throughout the whole thing, we we've been known for the bombs to drop on our interviews, but he held his own. We couldn't trick him. We should have got him drunk a little bit or something. <laughs> when he came on the show or something. We did get the boast. We did hear that food is going to be better. Than that's it. true. I, ooh, that's a tall order. Because hey, next time, Matt, if that's not true, uh oh. I'm going to get run out of town. I know. <laughs> I don't, I mean, because you know, gamers love their food. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never heard this before. Are, are they going to be food trucks? Do you have any idea? Food trucks? No, I, I don't know. We added those to PAX East the past two years, and it went over really well. I mean, certainly there's the possibility, but I don't know with the market so close and uh, adjacent to the convention if there would be any need for it. Well, Matt, is there anything? that we have forgot to ask or something that you're just wanting to tell the listeners uh, before we wrap this thing up. You know, I'd add one other thing. If you go to the PAX Unplugged website, uh, 
there are submissions open for panels. And one of the things we pride ourselves on with the PAX conventions is it's not just an industry show. It also is a fan show. So anyone from the, the most esteemed podcaster to the newest fan of the, the, the industry can go ahead and you know submit a panel if there's something they really feel passionate and want to talk about. And those are open for almost the entire summer. So I'd, I'd encourage people, if they have content they want to see at the show, hey, go give it a shot. Try to submit it yourself. What about unesteemed podcasters like ourselves? Unesteemed podcasters? Yeah, will you take those two? Only if one of the two shows up. If they both okay. came, it would be <laughs> probably a little overkill. Hey, I'll bring you some moon pies, Matt. All right. I changed my tune real fast. That was actually one of the questions. Uh, what are my odds of scoring a moon pie from Marty if I go 100%? You know, are you are the both of you familiar with the Tasty Cake brand? I have no the Tasty Cake, but I have not tried it, but I am always willing to experiment. It is a regional sort of Philly-based baked goods. You know, think of it as the hostess of Philly. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll go out on another limb. I'm going to say once you bite into your first delicious Tasty Cake Crimpet and many other fine, delicious baked goods, you may give up the moon pie. <laughs> man, man, Matt Ooh. is coming down here. Oh, my gosh. You'd be a changed man. He's dropping some shade over here. I don't know about that, Matt. Better than moon pies? Better than the oranges? Okay. I can't wait to find out. I cannot wait to find out. And for those who want to find out, what website can they go to to register and find out more information about PAX Unplugged? That is unplugged.paxsite, P-A-X-S-I-T-E dot com. And it sounds like that over the course of the next several months, just keep going to that website because you're going to keep dropping more information as we go as far as the different panels that are going to be going on, the vendors that are going to be uh, there, and there's probably a newsletter you can sign up for. I know I'm a member of a newsletter, so uh, go get sign up for the newsletter. You can get some more uh, information. We can't wait. We're always excited about conventions. It is exciting to see such a major convention as PAX to focus something that's strictly on the uh, the board game community. I think this will, will truly be a hit, Matt. Yeah, like you said, hit up that website over the summer. You'll start to see more information drop. If you've been to PAXs before and you already know the drill, you know, rest assured, all the stuff you know and love is going to translate over to Unplugged. But there's so much more I couldn't talk about today as far as new areas that we're trying to develop within the show that we are super excited to talk about and show people. And that'll all be hitting the website eventually. Well, that's great. And Matt, like you said, you do a lot of other things in the community. So if people want to contact you to uh, potentially ask some more questions about PAX or just watch some of your content, where can they find you? I'd say the best landing page is probably just my Twitter profile with all the links in there. Uh, My Twitter handle is at Matt Morgan, M-D-P, M-A-T-T-M-O-R-G-A-N-M-D-P. That stands for an old blog I used to write for, Modern Day Pirates, which is probably defunct by now. But, you know, if you go ahead and check out my Twitter, in the next couple weeks, I'm actually going to head down to the convention center. There's a a local comic convention happening down there. So, you know, I'm going to do myself a favor and go scope out the grounds a bit and probably do some some Periscope and some taking of pictures. Uh, Maybe I'll have a, a few bites to eat while I'm down there. Share a picture of that food. Yeah, if it's as good as what you said, yeah. Take some pictures of the food court. I'll, I'll want to see some yeah, of that. That first weekend of June, maybe the Friday, the first Friday in June, I'll go down, you know, send a big old tweet storm full of pictures of the convention center so people can see what kind of space we're dealing with. You're going to be at Origins or Gen Con where people can meet you? I was hoping to make it to Origins this year, but, you know, we, we just had to schedule a family birthday party right over the same weekend. So I'm not going to make it out to either of the big conventions. I, I feel the pinch. You know, there's too many packs now. Yep, I understand. The old work vacation time is 
coming to that same conclusion with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tony knows that feeling, right, Tony? Oh, man, it's just ridiculous. I mean, why can't we have like two months off like European countries? Yeah, hopefully I'll be back at BGG in 2018. But other than that, it's it's BGG Con and PAXs for me. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. We can't wait to see uh, what happens with PAX. This is exciting to be able to go to the inaugural year and see where it grows from here. And if it's if it's any indication of how the other PAXs have done, this is going to be a huge success going from, like you said, you're shooting for the moon by uh, with going uh, over Gen Con and competing against them. And, and we uh, wish you all the best success. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. I've always heard great things about Twilight Struggle. Tony, we have it on our shelf. We want to play it. But we were told that if we got 13 days from Ultra Pro, which is a game about the Cuban Missile Crisis, we can kind of get the feel of Twilight Struggle without actually playing that game. And Tony, I kind of like this game. Oh, I do too, Marty. I like how it was so simple coming out of the box and how easy it looked when we first put it out there. But there is so much strategy in this game. It's not an easy, quickly play game. You've got to really think through this game. So, I mean, for me, I really enjoyed it. Well, actually, it is a pretty quick game, which is why we like it so much. Because it's only played over the course of three rounds. You have a map, and there's different areas of the map in three different colors. There's The colors are also represented by DEF contracts. Beginning of the round, each of you is given an, a, a three agendas. They either have, have most influenced cubes in one area or have be the highest position on one of those DEF contracts. You'll pick one of those three to try to keep, but the other three are marked on the board because they could be used to bluff. Tony, then we're actually going to get to the meat of the game, actually placing the cubes. That's right, Marty. You will get event cards. And in these cards, you have the ability to either play the command action, which allows you to place cubes or remove cubes from the board. And doing so, that's how you control influence or get the most influence in a certain area, like Turkey or in the um, political arena. Or there is the event side of that card, the same card, that you can use if it is represented by the side you are a part of. If you are the USA, you may use it. But if you play a card for the command action and and the card is for the other side, they may use the event if they want to. These event cards, they are double-edged swords for you. They can help you play cues, but they can also give the other side the ability to use event. Really neat side of this game. Yeah, it is. And there's also the United Nations cards, which both sides can use too. And then what happens is, and this is, we'll follow, come up with this in a second, that last card is actually put into the aftermath, which was resolved later. So once you've played all your cards, you reveal your agenda. And let's say, for example, it was Turkey. And what you do is you count up the number of influence cubes by each person in there. Whoever has the most of that agenda, the difference is applied to a prestige track, which is at the top of the board, which is the goal of the game. You resolve both agendas, but then Tony, you have to check to see if we blew up the world. Because one of your agendas may have been to move up a disc on the DEF contract, which happens when you place cubes. The DEF contract markers move up based on the number of cubes played minus one. But if your agenda is to try to be higher than that other person, again, you apply that difference to the prestige track. But if you have three of your cubes in DEF CON 2, game over. If one of your cubes is in DEF CON 1, Game over. So you've got to manipulate that part of the game. Oh, I'm going to get a lot of influence out. Well, if you do, you're going to screw up the DEF contract. 
after that, you're going to reset and play for two more rounds. And then comes the aftermath. Those cards you've been throwing away, you flip those over at the end. Whichever, if the USA has more uh, cubes on their cards, they're going to get a prestige point. If the USSR does, they're going to get a prestige point. So the cards you throw away at the end are very important. Tony, there's really not a lot there. You pick a agenda you want to play, you play a card, you put cubes, but the bluffing and the strategy behind the game is so good. And one of the things that I found so challenging is that when you got those event cards, you really, really have to watch out for those DEF contracts. Because I would find myself in a bind where I could not remove cubes to lower my DEF con. And I just sat there and I looked and I said, oh man, this really stinks. I'm going to blow it up. There's no way for me to eliminate that influence over in that certain track. It just was brutal at times. There's a lot to master here. Uh, yeah, there is. There's a great bluffing mechanic. I said one of the knocks to me, Tony, that rule book was not very good. No, we wasn't. had to look up several times what some of the rules meant. So I would definitely go look at BGG and read some of the rules forms. It was not that good, but it does give me a taste that I really want to try Twilight Struggle. I've played this game a lot with a coworker at work. The game plays in 30 minutes. Tony, I want it on my shelf. What about you? Well, I bought it. So yeah, I think it's something <laughs> I, I, I wanted it for the two player aspect for me and Donna, but I tell you what, it can stay on your shelf because it was just a little too complicated. It was more than I bargained for. Mm. So I would highly recommend it. If you, like you said, 30 minutes, a great lunch game. And if you got a good gamer with you, it's one that you should definitely try out. Five minute initiative is complete. So you are going to have a blast. At PAX Unplugged. That's going to sound like a great convention for you to end the season on, Marty. Uh, yeah, uh, you need to find a way to get there. I would love to. Who knows? We'll just have to play it by ear, see how things are going uh, during that time of the year. I mean, that's such a busy time, but man, Philadelphia, easy flights in and out. Well, okay. If you've never flown into Philadelphia, that can be a challenge at times. I hear you're going to have a party wagon, which is awesome. That's great. A lot of great guys are going to be there. That's yeah, fun. we're talking about, this is a weird part, flying into Boston to meet Matt Evans and Rodney, who are going to drive a road trip to Jamie to have a slumber party, Jamie from Secret Cabal, then ride down to Philadelphia from there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sounds crazy. Uh, once again, be sure to get your guess in for the Wonder Woman contest that we have running. Um, appreciate all the comments we had along the lines of our summer movie preview. You know, Marty, the summer movies, man, my sleeper pick. I cannot believe it beat out King Arthur on opening weekend. That was <laughs> funny. That was absolutely but, funny. But it still didn't do good. And we're no, talking about we're talking about snatched. Yeah. I mean, I, th I thought maybe I'd get lucky and it got panned as well. Yeah. I honestly thought that would have been a good sleeper pick. So I'm surprised. Oh, I'm not. It's just the way it's going to go. But then again, who knows? Shoot. Chris may just be able to win with uh, Guardians because it's the only good movie this summer. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, looks like uh, Alien Covenant just now came out. It's getting some decent reviews, so I'm going to have to go um, um, check it out, too. So, yeah, don't forget to enter our contest. And as always, please go follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. And Tony's running that Instagram over there, Dyson Names. And you can go check out our BGG Guild at 1589. And, hey, if you want, go leave us, leave us an iTunes review. That'd be really nice, too, and it really helps us out. And also, if you are wanting to, sport 
the squirrel shirt at any of your conventions. Be sure to go over to analog gamer, check it out. There's some other great t-shirts over there because con season is on. You need to dress appropriately people. That's right. Yeah, let's not go in there with um, pullovers and things like that. Some golf shirts. We need to be wearing some gamer related t-shirts. And if I see you at origins with a squirrel shirt, I'll make sure to have a moon pie for you. So keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to join our Facebook page where we'll be sharing all of our pictures from our upcoming conventions this summer. And join us next episode when we will review Lorenzo El Magnifico from Simon Games. To celebrate finally getting through this episode, I think I'm going to have another piece of that awesome pie. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you said that was the last piece at the beginning of the show. I lied. So all these great games are getting ready to come out at the conventions this year. And if you don't want to have to wait in line at the conventions or get there and they're already sold out, then you want to make sure to go check out funagain.com so you can get your pre-orders in and at a discount, which you don't get a discount at the convention. So keep up with all the hot games that will be coming out soon. Pre-order them at funagain.com. Make your order higher than $100 and get free shipping. Check them out at funagain.com. 